10, we're going to get one of these Lino Restaurante pieces, you know, because it's going to go in my belly. All right, let's record the podcast then. Welcome back to the Keen the Light podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. We are out on location today at the wonderful Gold Eagle Liquors, and with me, as always, is Wilson Razor Ramon Torres. <laughs> hey, young world. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is, this is Jake, too. So I, I always forget to introduce myself. But, What's up, Jacob? Well, you know, you have to be very particular with that name today, because we have another guest on with the same name as me. Which is why I say Jacob. Okay, no, so no, I'm... No, no, my name is not Jacob. His name His is, is Jacob. Okay. My name, I'm going with Jacob today, yeah, yeah. but yeah, with us today is Jake of Gold Eagle Liquors. Welcome to the show. Thank Welcome you, Jake. Mm-hmm. And thanks for having us in the bar. Thanks for coming. Super excited to be on here. Well, you know, it was, we got here a little early, and then we got to try a lot of whiskey on the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a plus. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Some interesting whiskey, too, yeah. with, uh, you know, sourced, but also with a peculiar label on the front of it where you might not necessarily trust what's inside of it but it was a very good uh, whiskey Mm -hmm. which wilson and i tried a couple weeks ago after a recording with kush at leo's liquor and what we're talking about is malort and their sourced whiskey from mgp which was a five and a half year old i think we had five it was like five and two months okay Mm -hmm. that's the one on the market right now yeah okay Uh and you're like wow this makes you rethink everything when it comes to sourcing whiskey because if you aren't familiar with Malort, for any listeners outside of the Chicagoland area, it's one of uh, the most interesting things you can put inside of your mouth. Um, <laughs> there is, it's called the Malort face for a reason, um, kind of like the old bitter beer face commercials back in the day. But uh, they have some pretty good source whiskey from MGP and doing some interesting stuff. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to try a variety of spirits with that. But I guess it's kind of what the store is all about, is planning and or letting customers try a variety of spirits too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is oh, yeah. really a dime a dozen. It's, bec- it's not a dime a dozen. Not many places allow you to try before you buy or actually have someone that hand sells. Everyone here hand sells. At an independent store, too. At an independent store at this size as well. So um, that being said, Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit more of your family business? Yeah, how did I get started here? Um, well, there's... There's, there's definitely a lot of history that goes into the store oh, uh, yeah. that a lot of people uh, don't really realize, and sometimes I forget about it, but um, the store actually started in 1933, Ooh. and yeah, the story is that my great-grandfather started it the day after Prohibition ended, uh, oh. so he was like one of the... Really? Well, we don't have physical proof of this, but the story is that he got the third liquor license in the city of Chicago. Okay. Um, and he started on the cl- corner of Clark and Van Buren downtown. Hmm. And over the years, we've had five or six different stores throughout like the city and the suburbs. Um, but right now, we're down to the one store in Libertyville. The store has always sort of done the best. And hmm. handling multiple stores has just been too much work right, in the yeah. past. So focusing on one store we found has just worked the best for us and was your great-grandfather taking in any uh, maybe illegal activity before prohibition <laughs> you know <laughs> there's nothing on record with exactly. this there's a reason exactly. why um i've heard like you know he had ties with like the mob and the mafia and whatnot yeah. and i don't know what went into that right, but right. either way like there's I would imagine it was probably pretty tough to get a liquor license and open up that quick. So right. he definitely had to have some kind of inside source at the time. Strictly great political yeah. strings that he pulled. <laughs> Creased right. the wheel somewhere. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Or uh-huh. not. Who's the same? Yeah, maybe just, you know, got there, you know, the first morning after Prohibition ended and was the first one yeah. in line at the city council mm-hmm. office. Just like and the DMV, for his right? license. Yeah. 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 Right. Get there yeah. early, get in line. And, and you just wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so how many, how long did that store stay in Chicago? Uh, I really don't know the exact date, um, but I know, well, this store opened in like right around 1980. Um, The current iteration? Yeah, this Libertyville store, 1980. um, And that was like, we were in Rolling Meadows and Mount Prospect before, and I think those stores came like 10 years before this one. So probably 60s, 70s, somewhere around then. Um, And uh, I don't the exact timeline i'm yeah. not sure on but like over the years the stores kind of got sold fell off and libertyville in the especially in the last 10 20 years has done the best so we decided we're just going to focus on this just store on yeah this store. just make this one oh, so you had multiple location. stores even we had yeah ago. we had five locations uh i mean even seven eight years ago was when we sold our last location okay which was in like oh, rolling wow. meadows mm-hmm. i remember when ah I, the rolling ghettos yeah. <laughs> you and you you know all about chicago land uh-huh. he knows every mascot i'm a chicago kid man chicago kid bro shut up born and raised born got well the actually truth be, told, truth be told i was born and raised in waukegan oh wow which is right north mm-hmm. of here yeah uh in and then uh 
in the on the west side of town. Um, my godparents were on the east side of town, and then a lot of my friends were around like on the south end of town. So mm-hmm. it was like, mm-hmm. um, but that was growing up. And then, long story short, uh, our parents, when we would come visit friends uh, that lived in the Libertyville area, the Mundelein area, mm. we would actually stop here for our dads to buy their handles of Don Q (laughs) rum and uh, 12 packs or cases of of old style then Mm -hmm. to take to the barbecues or whatnot. And as we got older and we came with, you know, I moved out right before I was 18. So uh, I've been living in the city ever since. But at the same time, we would come up this way because we still had friends that were still here because they were in college and Mm -hmm. whatnot. So we would come back and party with them. We would always stop here to pick up, you know, the pre the pre gaming yeah. supplies, and then hit up Finn's before it became the mm-hmm. brewery, yeah. and we would just go all in and end up the night over at uh, Downings, mm-hmm. um, which is near and dear to my heart. And then every once in a while, the island over right off of Milwaukee Avenue. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you this: this place has not changed, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks the same. It smells the same. <laughs> some some stuff has must the have changed, new. right? Come yeah. The bars new. Put in the bar here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is I'm yeah. sure you're doing, <laughs> and I, I respect that. But what, well, obviously, what? selection has changed too. Selection oh, yeah. has completely right. mm-hmm. changed. Cause I remember for when sure. I just shy of two years ago, I told you I came up here and we were like, we're selling some good bottles up here, good amount of bottles mm-hmm. up here. Wilson's this like, was with Star Wars too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Wilson's like, I used to buy beer there when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Selling whiskey up there, and um, but now it's like a beacon for everybody from the now city to come up here world. and start now. doing barrel yeah. picks and start selling them other bottles of whiskey and knowing that their brands can actually be showcased in an yeah. independent store. Which is really cool. Yeah. So how did it all change from, or what was it like 10 years ago in here, the selection? So that was before I got involved. Um, but I can tell you four, four and a half years ago when I first came into the yeah. business, like it was way different. Um, I mean, we've, our bourbon selection has, our shelf has doubled in size at least for whiskey in, in general. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh huh. I mean, we recently, a couple weeks ago, just moved a bunch of stuff to get more <laughs> bourbon on the shelf. Nice. Um, it's well, just a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things right now where you just can't ignore. Like, it's hot, it's selling, you know, that's what people are looking for, that's what people want. Um, But we've really switched to, um, you know, selling more smaller brands, more craftier brands, focused on getting more variety in here. Um, You know, it's the business five years ago was, you know, can we buy the 50 case or 100 case deal of your domestic basic stuff? And now it's like instead of buying 50 cases of, you know, Jack Daniels or a big brand, we want to buy 50 cases of 30 or 40 different smaller brands because that's what people are looking for mm-hmm. and that's what makes the store look better um, and kind of gives us a more diverse, you know, selection and options for people. Do you think that so. had to do with, like, the craft boom of whiskey industry? For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, just four years ago, like, the way craft – whiskey kind of started out people were hesitant about it i mean even we were very hesitant about it uh just because you have a bunch of distilleries that just started up and they're putting out young stuff and 50 dollar whiskey yeah it's you know a two-year three-year bourbon for 50 dollars why would you buy that when you can buy wild turkey you know russell's 10 year for 30 dollars on the shelf hey when i was selling that 50 dollar bottle of whiskey for two years of craft (laughs) brands i'm like it's a lot of money. Yeah. I, I, I mm-hmm. would be tasting out people in a liquor store at an event. And you'd be like, "What's this cost?" I'm like fifty two ninety nine, and like yeah. I'm like, honestly, you can go buy like Maker's Mark or something. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's part of the gig, and you have to realize well, these people have to keep their lights on. They have to get that money back, especially if they aren't sourcing whiskey. Mm-hmm. They're well, beginning it from day one. Not only that, but like the smaller distilleries have really gotten much better yeah. in quality yeah. much better well we got some time on our side now yeah you know uh-huh. so i think two or three years ago you know was when the boom really hit and we saw a lot of stories putting out stuff that wasn't really ready to be bottled but they need to get their investment back so sure. of course they're going to be mm-hmm. they want to have a presence in the market and mm-hmm. put their stuff on the shelf um where sourcing whiskey comes into play you know because i personally four years ago i was very against sourcing whiskey and now i feel like it's a lot better to source whiskey than to put out you know two Mm. or three year whiskey that really shouldn't be drank were you i I had the same kind of sentiment as well Mm -hmm. do you think it was almost a lie to the consumer if you were sourcing whiskey if you weren't being transparent about it i guess if you're saying like hey here's a four-year-old whiskey from xyz is still Mm -hmm. there but then in very small prints like just still in indiana yeah well you know for sure i think 
five, four or five years ago, it was way different. Like people didn't want source whiskey, mm. you know, and when we were buying, we had to be very cautious on what was on the label and right. where it was distilled because there were tons of people that would come in and say, hey, this is our bourbon. This is our rye. Um, and then we find out later, like, all right, this is actually sourced from X distillery, Y mm. distillery, mm. Um, which at the time... I don't know if it was a bad thing, but it just wasn't as accepted as right. it is now. I think it wasn't understood by consumers, too. Yeah, it no, was it's like, definitely... Like, wait, what? Like, this yeah. whiskey's not made in the state that it, the label's on? Right. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very confusing. And then say, like, you know, distilled in this state, bottled in this state, packaged yeah. in that state, whatever it might be. <laughs> and there's all these different sentiments on mm-hmm. there of where is this actually coming from? Mm-hmm. And that or what with, is this? Right. You know, what is it? Right. Exactly. Is, it even, is, it, is it even bourbon? It could not even be bourbon. Right. Yeah. And you're calling it bourbon, mm-hmm. and people, there are people who are making... Or messing around and like kind of fidging with where the placement of words were on labels. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's a whole thing about if you had bourbon separated from whiskey, yeah. technically it wasn't a bourbon, mm-hmm. it was a bourbon whiskey. Right. It, there's all those things on there you can go into doing with the TDB and labeling and all that fun so stuff. You, what were you tasked with when you first came on board? To um, I think the biggest thing was. Uh, we really didn't have any like media presence. Mm. Um, it was, I mean, all of our marketing dollars were put into the newspaper. Oh. <laughs> so like our customer base, no offense, was like average age, 60, 70 years right, old. Right. And they would come in, they'd buy their spirit whenever it was on sale, they'd buy cases of it. And <laughs> that was that. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, like that's the, the business one? model. Which yeah. One was what, what advertisements like? Do you oh, remember that? It was Chicago Tribune, that. and it was purely a page of good prices good price. on mm-hmm. cases of you know That's cheap so stuff, funny. and yeah. that was you know we would sell a ton of ton of cases of cheap stuff, and That's people awesome. would. But the problem was people would only come in when their stuff was on sale. Right. I mean, if you drank one whiskey right. your entire life, Correct. would you buy it at thirty dollars? Would you buy it every other month when the store put it at twenty three dollars? Right. right? You'd come in and stock up when it was at. Well, you're on a fixed income. You know? <laughs> 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 nothing wrong with that, but it just wasn't, it wasn't fun. There was nothing we could right, do to like, right. you know, get involved or get customers involved. And I think the overall uh, viewpoint on whiskey from like, not only our standpoint, from customer standpoint has gone to, I don't want to drink the same thing mm-hmm. anymore. Right. I want to drink different stuff every time I'm drinking. And in fact, you know, on a night that you decide to drink, like drinking eight different pours from different distilleries is yeah. a lot more fun than drinking eight pours from the same distillery. It's an ambitious uh, night. It's, I like it's it. More of a, it's more of a crafty type yeah. of thing. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm, people aren't drinking to get a buzz or get drunk anymore. They're drinking to taste right. the art that goes into creating these spirits. Well said. Which that really is what changed so much in the last couple of years. So did you have to educate your consumers on about these brands or did those consumers that were interested in the smaller brands come to you? Uh, I think it's a combination of both, but I definitely think it's more of us educating. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously mm-hmm. having back in the day when we did store tastings and things like mm-hmm. that, having the reps come in, yeah. talk about the brands right. was a huge plus. So you actually mm-hmm. talk about, I mean, I remember my first tasting here. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to sell this case of twofold. And mm-hmm. then I sold it in like a half an hour because mm-hmm. the people were peculiar enough to try it. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, this tastes good. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I was going to buy a bottle of what everyone came in here for, but this is $35. Sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? I'll take a risk on it. Yeah. And then things could grow and evolve. And now that you have this Irish section, single malt blended section, single malt section, bourbons, you know, expanding right. too, and then barrel picks from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Was that more of your kind of idea getting more barrel picks in here um yeah i mean i definitely have to give credit to my brother and my dad um i mean we kind of all work as a team your post you guys put out yesterday how you did 50 last year Mm -hmm. you never did more than 20 in a year before that i don't think we did more than 10 in a year before (laughs) that (laughs) what were you doing your first barrel picks up and how long ago was that um it was it was like mostly just buffalo trace stuff yeah and Mm -hmm. really i think one of the biggest things that really catapulted our barrel pick program was we used to be able to get as many barrel picks from Buffalo Trace as we wanted to do. And it was like, you know, we could request samples anytime we wanted. They had all these different brands. And mm. now it's like, all right, they limit us to three barrels a year. Okay. And it was wow. like, well, we get, th- you know, we could sell 20 barrels of Buffalo Trace easily mm. a year. Mm-hmm. Like probably even 50 if we really wow. you know, right. got the access to the barrels. Um, but that's just not the way it is now. Like these distilleries are running out of their 
precious, uh, you know, whiskey. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they're realizing like there's a huge demand. So they need to keep a lot of their stuff for themselves. Cause I mean, we can't even get their standard offerings on the shelf. Yeah. So that's where I think we kind of shifted, you know, and started tasting more barrel picks from other smaller distilleries mm-hmm. and got into more of the craft distilleries and really realized like, these smaller craft distilleries are putting out really good whiskey, but mm. people just don't know about right. it. And us having already a sort of a good following with the barrel picks, you know, if we put our name behind one of these small craft distilleries that we really believe on, mm. it'll get people into it, get them to try it. And we've only heard, you know, excellent feedback on our barrel picks. So what are some of the first distilleries you invested into on small craft level? Um, I think Wilderness Trail was oh, one yeah. of the first ones. I mean, they're, you know, they're definitely bigger than a lot of the other small craft distillery brands, but they're one of the first brands that started, you know, putting out their own four or five year stuff before right. uh, anything sourced. You know, yep. they, they never put out anything sourced. Everything's been their own right. stuff. So, um, you know, they were the first ones where we kind of realized like, wow, like, you know, we just picked this barrel of five year bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sold through the entire barrel within a month or two. And not only that, but we heard excellent feedback from every customer that bought a bottle. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so that kind of, I think that really opened our eyes. Like, you know, we don't necessarily need to be tied to these bigger distilleries. We don't need to do barrel picks only from the big distilleries, but we can seek out, you know, smaller brands that have gems sitting in their rick houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's on us to transfer the knowledge to the customers. Right. Like, Hey, you should you should check this out, you know? Yeah. Which I appreciate because that's one of the things I, I noticed first offhand is coming in. It's like, there's always someone floating around two, three guys, including yourself <laughs> and mm-hmm. your brother. And it's all hand done. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally hand selling. You're looking for something specific or what about here it is. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something new, boom, I got this and here's everything behind it. One thing that I have to mention before I forget what I really <laughs> love, the small detail is that you guys hand write your signs. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. It's cool. <laughs> I know it's weird. I know it's probably in the middle of the bullshit, but I love that small detail. Yeah. It really does show you. you have great penmanship. No, it's not only that, but <laughs> you do though. I appreciate it. Thank you. You can write some of our signs if you want. Ooh, I mean, you can write your own signs for a union horse. There we go. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I've got sharpies with me. Yeah, right yeah, we got, got we got, got all the sharpies, sharpies, man. We got a whole sharpie. I just kit. I just I just it just really it's a personal touch. Mm-hmm. It does, you yeah. know, and, and it goes to what you mm-hmm. guys are doing. You guys saw a niche maybe possibly earlier on than others and they're like, Hey, there's good stuff here too. Let's bring that to surface and let's you know, and then adding your the level of service already mm-hmm. on top of that, the name behind yeah. it. So I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought that up yeah. um, mm-hmm. because we really do pride ourselves on you know hand selling and mm-hmm. you know myself I love being on the floor talking to customers yeah. about whiskey and all the different products right. like that's. I'd hundred times rather be on the floor talking to customers than up in the office doing you know, the back work that needs to get done. <laughs> but get done. you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's distributor phone calls, yeah, exactly. all the fun things. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's it's a lot more fun being on the floor talking to customers and kind of you know I think that helps a ton too because we hear directly like what they're looking for and what they like. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that's that's a huge thing with all these smaller craft brands coming out is like. You need you really need to explain like what went into making this product and yeah. you know why you, why we like it why we brought it in um, you know there's a lot of stuff on the shelf that and most people walk in here and they haven't seen half the stuff <laughs> that we have I you know that. Um, and I'm just saying that because you know we we really do uh, we spend a lot of time you know seeking mm. out all these smaller distilleries that might not have as much market presence as all mm. the bigger brands that people you know know about right um so it's definitely uh takes time to hand sell it learn about it mm-hmm. um but you know that's one of the reasons why we feel like we are becoming sort of a little hot spot for yeah. whiskey oh definitely mm-hmm. no you yeah. truly are i mean truly i are. don't know any reps that don't talk about the store mm-hmm. which yeah. not every obviously not every store out in the suburbs reps in the city are to be talking about so mm-hmm. definitely present does you know does gold eagle carry you guys right use you in a, mm-hmm. in a reference point for them like well if they yeah. have it then i need to really consider i feel it. like there's like, cool. a, like a dozen independent stores that everyone has on their radar mm-hmm. um this is definitely being one of them too mm-hmm. when you get back to the barrel picks when you kind of did your first ones with craft brands were you looking for brands that weren't sourcing their juice versus making their own no i don't think it really made a difference um we were 
what we're really looking for is, uh, you know, barrels that are going to open the eyes to customers, mm -hmm. I think. Um, you know, we just, we all just sat around and tasted some Jepson's yeah. barrels. Um, they're all four-year MGP, and they all retail for under $30 a bottle. And that's something where I look at and I say, all right, well, you know, we can pick a four-year MGP, sell it for $30 a bottle, yeah. and there's MGP on our shelf right now that's selling for 60 or $70 a bottle at the same age. Like, it's a no-brainer. Why right. would we not want to pick out a – we had seven samples, and we, yeah. we picked the best one, and we're going to put our label on it and our name on it, and we're going to sell it to our customers exclusively. Right. You know, that's something where that's, you know, it's invaluable mm -hmm. to me, like – you can go to any store and find the Jepson's regular bourbon, but to get like a single barrel pick yeah. uh, that was selected from seven different barrels mm -hmm. uh, and to get it at that price uh, is, you know. Yeah, I wonder how this will change brands mm -hmm. um, from MGP that are sourcing MGP and selling it for $50, $60. People asking the question of, well, why? Why would mm -hmm. I pay for that? What's so different about it? Especially if you aren't doing your own blending techniques mm -hmm. or if you aren't doing a finish at all. You're just straight up buying MGP putting your label on it mm -hmm. and then selling it for a certain price. Mm -hmm. uh, as we know, all three of us and what you've talked about, the growing presence of whiskey brands and whiskey in general, the consumers have become overly educated about whiskey mm -hmm. and they, they know what, what sourcing means. They know what oh, MGP yeah. is. They know where, if it says Tennessee, what distillery it's coming from. Mm -hmm. if it's coming from, it says Indiana, they know what distillery it's coming mm -hmm. from. Uh, most likely. Most likely. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> 99%. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how, how, I mean, how will that change people's thoughts about paying a certain amount of money for brands that aren't producing their own stuff and then also what happens when they run out of that source juice and they want to start making their own spirit how do they how do they transition into that and some some brands have done it well some other brands have not some brands don't plan on doing it whatsoever true. Uh, true. i mean i don't know maybe people will start really thinking about what they're doing especially when you can have a malort label on there and it's 30 35 dollars mm -hmm. it's really interesting yeah. yeah well i think also i think people will still want Premium. I don't think a premium category is going to go anywhere soon. What do you mean by that? By all right. So we're we're talking just to, in regards to what we we're just talking about the the MGP that Jepsons is putting out. Right. Because um, they're not doing anything else aside from that. They're just taking. They're buying barrels, sitting on them, waiting a little maybe a little longer, mm -hmm. putting mm -hmm. them out as single barrel picks or putting them out in their own, you know, under their own brand, which is fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do that. We know that. But there is still a class of people that still want more than that. They still want, I was like, you know what? I'm great with a $30 bottle of mm. a single barrel pick. What else you got? What mm. else is a little higher up yeah, there? Yeah, but what do you consider premium? I mean, well, call, I, it a, call it a $50. I well, understand the price point. Thing. I, think, I think from a, a customer standpoint, like yeah. people, most customers don't know what premium is. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think that $30 bottle of Jepsons is premium, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's you're getting at a premium well, price. I, well, it's it's. it's <laughs> I haven't Chris the rep. I'm like, hey, like this isn't this this label doesn't represent a fifty dollar bottle of whiskey. It's, oh, it's only thirty five. Like, yeah. Oh, well, mm -hmm. even better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for the age and the price, like yeah. it's a premium whiskey. Mm -hmm. But right. I get what you're saying. Like, we st we'll get people that come in here and they haven't talked to us, so they haven't really they don't really know that like we are educated here and they <laughs> right. know what we're doing. Right. And I mean that in you know a really no. humble. No, way. no, I completely yeah, understand. Yeah. We take pride in the fact that we there's you places know, that aren't. So yeah. yeah. Uh huh. We like to know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's still customers that come in here and you know they won't listen to anything that we have to say mm. about like a smaller brand like that because they're like you know they're so tied to mm -hmm. the premium aspect they want right. you know they want an older maker's mark or they want an mm. older they want you know a buffalo trace store pick or something like that right. and they just don't understand like that these smaller distilleries are producing really good quality whiskey um and i think that is really shifted and changed over the past two or three years especially we can hope yeah <laughs> if we've been doing our jobs properly well, i think we would hope i'm a live witness here you know what I'm can saying? See. Mm -hmm. so it's just but it's, i just feel that that is something that you still have a class of people that status is yeah still important to them mm -hmm. yeah i oh you got that jepson's 30 dollar or 35 dollar pick you know from gold eagle so well, you're more in premium you're talking about trendy sure i mean or are you talking I, about like you know the distilleries that have established themselves and have been around for yeah. 50, well, 100 years. Well, yeah, I mean, but those are the same guys that are putting out the same, they're putting out product that in the price range are on, on, 
along the same ones. Like, well, if I have Buffalo Trace's own distillate uh-huh. for thirty dollars mm-hmm. in a bottle, why would I go with someone else that just took someone else's stuff? And you know, because there's just that 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 uh, loyalty established mm-hmm. already, where you're still putting it, you're picking a great barrel mm-hmm. um, from a from a well, you know, from obviously a producer that we've all know and respect highly. They they do good stuff. Speak for yourself. Well, they do. <laughs> they do good stuff. You know, but yeah, at the same time, you, there are still some people that want more than that. Mm-hmm. I don't want so, the MGP. I want mm-hmm. I want something that sits on my bar among the MGPs. Like yeah, that's my seventy five dollar barrel pick from B Tech mm-hmm. or 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 whomever. But I because th- it stands up higher yeah. hierarchy wise and it stands a little higher in price because that's you still need to maintain the class system and mm. that's how i think personally those that are affluent keep up with i guess the joneses is what you guys yeah. call mm-hmm. it yeah. oh, that's yeah. what, isn't that why you were in dc a couple weeks ago that's correct that's exactly <laughs> why i was in dc the other day why telling people don't do it Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Don't go in I'm there. I'm telling you, don't go in there, bro. Wilson left before the chaos began. <laughs> <laughs> no, so for I, the fact I was Wilson never was in not DC, in DC two weeks ago. I know I'm making. I'm, I'm, I'm no, I think it, 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 I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it also makes sense of like what could premium become. Like there could be premium MGP. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, there already is essentially. I guess yeah. they just they sought after your 14, 10, 11, 14 your 10, 11, 12, 14 old MGP. That's premium. Then like it's like. It's Pinhook becoming as we have to plug them once a show obligation contractually. Um, nice, you know, yeah, they uh, is their whiskey considered premiums because their blending process they do with it, mm-hmm. and they bought these barrels a long time ago for a really inexpensive price. Yeah, mm-hmm. or because of their vintage. Pro- yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's it just becomes more and more if you're if you're one for that if you're one that's like yeah but I'd rather have what that guy's not buying mm-hmm. I don't want to buy what those twenty people are in line to buy I want something a little higher. What do you got better than that? That's such an individual. What do you want? Right. Customer basis. But those mm-hmm. individuals still make up a class. Yeah. And that class still purchases something at a different level and a different grade. And they yeah. are expected to. They want to. And they they expect to be serviced in that mm-hmm. direct, in that manner, too. Right. Here, you're going to get the same level regardless of what you want. But if you really want something that's like, here's what I have from their educational standpoint, from our brand standpoint, this is what we feel is on par with what you're in search for. It's well, how do you, you approach that customer? That. Um, well, I think first off, we're in the middle of like a second sh- uh, wave of like the whole industry shifting. Mm-hmm. Like I think the first yeah. wave was kind of, we would need to stick with the, you know, big distilleries, the ones that have been around for a while that know what they're doing. Like all these small distilleries are putting out two year, three year stuff that really isn't ready. And that's kind of where the industry was three, four years ago. Whereas now more people are really starting to understand like, all right, there's union horse distilling that has only been around for eight years, 10 years, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're putting out five-year stuff that's mm-hmm. really, really good, really quality, and it stacks up against all these big distilleries. Um, so I think we kind of, you kind of have to gauge each customer when they come in, and you know, kind of talk to them and see what they're looking for exactly, what they like, um, you know, because there's obviously we get a ton of customers that are just passing through and they just want to search for the wellers or the plantains or stuff like that um <laughs> and those are the customers where you just you don't want to spend too much time on but you want to show them love and right, you know show sure. them thank you for coming in here type Absolutely. of thing but, but you're probably not going to convince them to go you're, yeah you're not going to convince them to buy a barrel pick of some small distillery even if it is a lot better than plantains <laughs> or weller like, <laughs> it is most of the time it is i don't disagree yeah um it's plenty documentation my my feelings about blantons yeah so. uh-huh oh yeah i mean that's the one that we get the most requests for out of anything and so I just pretty don't understand it's it. so goddamn pretty it's got a horse pretty, on it it's got a horse <laughs> on <laughs> the computer's <laughs> worth more than the uh-huh. glass itself uh, right i mean i'm not even kidding 10 to 15 requests a day i believe for blantons, oh, and that's minimum what yeah. i love about in that point when you do your uh, social media I love the fact he's like, hey, don't, don't fucking call. All right. Yeah. I don't have it. And if it's uh, it's well, on the shelf and by the time we get here, it's gone. Yeah. Right? Well, know? sometimes it's ridiculous. Like we'll make <laughs> up, I'll put a post out 
you know, we'll, so we'll have all the rules like mm. clearly lined up, like mm. one per person in store only. Like we, we're trying to make stuff fair to everyone. Right. You know, we don't right. want one person to come in and buy the entire stock that we get. Cause right. people know we can't just order this stuff. It shows up very sparingly. <laughs> Correct. Um, do so, they know that? <laughs> eh, I'd hope so by now. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I mean, there's definitely still people that don't know that cause yeah. I still have to explain it to people all the time. Like, yeah. They're like, well, you don't have Blanton's. Can you order it for me? And I'm like, no. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, you don't want to order me a product? I'll pay for it. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. No. Like, there's yeah. still plenty of people that don't understand that. And then in the process of you have to how what you have to spend on other products just to get those bottles into your store. Yeah, I mean yeah. we're we're fortunate. I was I was listening to the Cush's last podcast. Oh, yeah. Cush. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, I mean we're fortunate <laughs> enough where we're a we're a very large store, yeah. so we do sell a lot of volume, but we we operate like a small family owned right. you true, know true, store. So we we're fortunate where we can sell a lot of like the basic products to get the more rare stuff in. Um, but, uh, you know, I definitely feel for, you know, the smaller stores that they just don't have that access. Yeah. Um, cause it really is like, we look at the spreadsheet on how much cases you sell per year and that's how much of the rare stuff that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a smaller store, like you just naturally, you just can't, can't sell as much volume as a bigger store could like you're way out of the game so you know starting that far behind is tough um but that's where i think we kind of stick out as like a very unique um you know kind of little hot spot location mm-hmm. definitely no yeah. and the game it speaks to in the marketing how it's changed from taking ads out in the tribune mm-hmm. to doing social media oh how, yeah how's that changed the oh store? my god social media is huge like yeah. i can't even start to explain how much social media has changed our store when i started the facebook page here at gold eagle it was two or three years ago and we had 200 followers and now we have 5,000. <laughs> so Posting, making one post, you're automatically reaching 5,000 people. Right. Yeah. And then if they share it, if they like it, it's going to show up to their friend's page. And that's yeah. that's free marketing right there. Whereas yeah. I don't know how much people we were reaching on the Tribune. Like, <laughs> it was going to every house that yeah. ordered the Tribune. But who Sundays. orders the Tribune yeah. anymore? And, you know, those... I still get one on my doorstep. I do. do you? I don't. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't ask for it. But it I, love up, paper. It? I love paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guess I love paper, though, man. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. See, I love to read, and I love to read on paper, but Same, I know. just I feel like I get more news from opening up Facebook and Instagram sure. than I do from anywhere else I could ask for. That's right. under, you know, yeah. That's, yeah. I get all the news I could ask for just from it's being on social media. nostalgic, I guess. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you, know, yeah, some, yeah. you know, you can... Uh-huh get the Sunday paper, you right. read the ads and then mm-hmm. you read the paper, you know, and then you, you distribute. You just read the funnies, man. I do too, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I color the funnies, actually. Mm-hmm. You color them? Yeah, I color them. Wow. That's a whole different like story. Good Sundays. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. I have phenomenal mm-hmm. Sundays. Started off with the bourbon OJ, OJ remember? Yeah. Have you tried it yet? No, but I've seen Ooh, your posts. Come on, man. <laughs> you got to get it. on that, bro. Mm-hmm. Me and Jake yeah, used to yeah. do it at, uh, at our previous employer for uh-huh. every Friday. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. how we started. But we used a uh, different whiskey, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, whatever. Yeah. Same sentiment. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, what it. have you guys done differently now with, like, Instagram to kind of taking over almost everything when it comes to advertising, I feel like? Um, well, first thing is, like, you need high-quality photos, Yeah. Uh, which if you have an iPhone and you have portrait mode, it's really not that hard to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the technology they does it for you. <laughs> um, but uh, high-quality photos, and you need to post often. Like mm-hmm. I try to post once a day. I don't want to flood people. Right. Like, you don't right. want to post something that doesn't really bring value. Like every post should have value. Um, but I think there's, you could find something every day to post where, yeah. you know, people can, at least someone can get excited over. It. And it's a really amazing, like how many people come in and buy a product after we post it. Yeah. That's, that's truly fascinating. That's cool. Just even like a, a regular six pack of beer. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like we're, we're a retail location, you know, we're not an online store mm-hmm. We're in an online store. I can definitely see you post something and then yeah. you get 20 people that buy it right away, but we're a retail store and we post something and we get 10, 20, 30 people in here within hours to buy the product that we post and that's super cool to that see cool. like yeah. actually happen 
Yeah. Uh, so we know like a lot of our followers are local, which is awesome. How far do have how how local do you? I like? r- so I run all the ads within like eight miles. Okay. Okay. Um, so I think most of the people are coming within then. But like today, we had a person that drove down from Green Bay. Yeah, I heard you say that. Yeah. Amazing. Uh-huh. Drove down from Green Bay just to check out the selection and you know buy a couple bottles of Early Times Bottled and Bond, which we have and <laughs> not many other stores have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's another thing too is like you know there's a lot of whiskeys that because the demand are very limited and mm-hmm. you know hard to come by right now. So whenever we see something that we think is gonna be hard to come by, we tr- we try to just buy all of it and. <laughs> corner of the market in a way <laughs> for you guys well, yeah, i mean there's no rule against that. i mean if you know if they'll sell we, it to you we're the first ones to kind of discover it and there we think go. of ourselves as kind of whiskey nerds so sure, yeah. like we're always looking what's the next hot thing so yeah. if we see something out in the market and we think it's going to go away we have no problem with buying extra cases of sure. it and you do know. you fear for brands like that with early times you know being bought by satisfact that these brands could start being consumed by each other and fading away. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought of when they when I heard that Sazerac took them over was, oh, great, we're not gonna be able to get as many yeah. as we got before. Or it's gonna yeah, go up to like a forty-five dollar yeah, bottle. Yeah, or whiskey. the prices, you know. Well, Sazerac has done pretty good with keeping the pricing true, reasonable. Well, true. considering some the stuff has gone up, it allows them. I mean, you think of Buffalo Trace; they have yeah. twenty bourbons, and there's not a single one that we can order. Uh, but they're they're all under eighty dollars or so, yeah. okay. pretty much for it's the true. most part, except for their super rare stuff. Um, right, you know, you forget sometimes that it's the secondary market driving up the volume, that yeah. price, not necessarily the stores itself. Yeah, right. Well, I'm sure or there's even a lot, the, there's even a lot the brand. of stores that do. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive there are up stores. The yeah. Yeah. Oh, there there are a few. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we guys. unmentioned. Yeah, we definitely pride ourselves in keeping everything at retail price and just making sure it gets in the right hands. Right. You know, we don't want to put out a case of Blanton's and have somebody come buy it and go sell it for four times the price on the secondary market. Because mm-hmm. if yeah. that were the case every time, why wouldn't we go and do that? Right. You know, um, cool. you are know, you particular that selection? Like, do you sell it to certain customers? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we do, um, you know, we have a really... Background checks? We, man. <laughs> 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 need a full interview. Uh, it takes two hours. Need, <laughs> a, pa- need <laughs> to pat you down. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we we have a pretty good system on how we allocate those bottles. You know, a certain percentage goes towards social media releases because mm-hmm. we believe it's really important to, you know, have people following us and, you know, seeing all the other stuff that we come out with. So right. we want mm-hmm. a certain portion to be available to the people that follow us on social media. Um, we have a certain percentage that just goes right on the shelf and we put a limit one sign on. So to yeah. kind of reward people for being in here at the right time. Um, and then we have another percentage that, you know, we do hold back and we do run reports on who's buying bourbon here, who's buying whiskey. And those are the customers that we reach out to and say, hey, do you want you know this we had we just got it in you know is there is, is that a reward program you run it or is, is that yeah okay. uh-huh. uh we have like the gold eagle great values program okay. oh, um cool. you save five percent on wine uh five percent on single malt scotch and five percent nice. on bottle bombers of beer um so if it, it's free to sign up so you come cool. in the store just give us your email and your name and we give you those discounts um, but then you do accrue points, um, you know, towards like the rare bourbon releases. Mm-hmm. And when we do get a surplus of, uh, you know, different whiskeys in that are hard to find, you know, we do run a report on who's shopping here and mm-hmm. we reach out to those customers yeah. and offer them first dibs. That's awesome. Well, um, I mean, everyone has their system and mm-hmm. it's everything's been fair. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you can see it just from how you price everything. Just mm-hmm. when, when you walk through any aisle, whether you're familiar with it, it's like, man, that every price is, seems affordable it's just mm-hmm. like yeah i would pay that i would pay that i would pay that that's know? a that's a big thing with us is yeah. we pride ourselves on pricing everything at the right price yeah. at the right retail price like i i of course i go into other stores and you know check out their shelves sure. and what they have you like should. it's market research it has yeah. to be done right um and it's kind of absurd how many stores jack up the price on whiskeys that are harder to find yeah. like it is absurd um, which is why i never buy them yeah Mm-hmm. But like to me, if I were a consumer and I walked into that store and I saw a bottle five times the price on what it should be, I'm not going to you know, feel obligated to buy anything there. And I probably won't mm-hmm. go back because mm-hmm. I know that the stuff that I'm really, really looking for, you know, I'm going to have to pay a premium. Um, and I, I don't think that's right. Like the store, if the distillery should be making that extra money on the bottle 
And since they chose like not that. to price it at the secondary price, at the you know real mm-hmm. retail price, um, I think the store should honor that and sell it at the right price. <laughs> well said. Um, and just more make sure it gets in the right hands instead of somebody that's going to buy a whole case and just go flip it for three times the price. Yeah, which we all don't want that be to happen. I mean, no. Mm-hmm. It'd be, it's kind of you kind of think, well, it'd be cool if my brand ever reached that status mm-hmm. someday. But then you're like, well, do I really want it? It's kind of an ambivalent result because you don't you don't you want the, like you said you want the whiskey to go into the right hands for people mm-hmm. to enjoy it and enjoy yeah. the art of how it was made mm-hmm. right. and sip on not just to get drunk or not to flip it for a profit mm-hmm. but really enjoy the craft the craft of it yeah mm-hmm. uh, jay henry joe yeah. joe jr yeah. talks about that a lot he's just like man everything we make is sold he goes which is great it's great for our family it's great for our business mm-hmm. it's great for the brand but i spend my time in the three states that they're doing business in putting out fires mm-hmm. like man i'm sorry you didn't i'm sorry you didn't get as many as you did last year mm-hmm. or it's on its way or mm-hmm. he spends his time traveling soothing people and, and making sure that that relationship doesn't fizzle because they didn't get something yeah, or yeah. they didn't get enough of it or so on and so forth so i agree with you jack yeah. i don't think i would want to work for not that i wouldn't want to work for but it would be difficult to yeah. go about each day i think it's an achievement would be like hey someone bought a bottle that is rare and they want to hold on to for a long time yeah. like something sought after mm-hmm. but nothing like jacked up in price or something that's right. going to cause some noise in the secondary market where people are flipping it and doing all this and then reaching out to you and your brand asking mm-hmm. about it more as an annoyance because they follow they're following a trend mm-hmm. not um not their taste buds not their taste buds <laughs> yeah it's a good way of putting it and just not really following anything for themselves yeah. and just following other people yeah lemmings <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I like how that sounded. Those are the guys that followed you into the Capitol. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No me gusta los lemmings. No me gusta. Your engagement on social media, do you find yourself um, with people re- re-engaging with you? It's like, hey, man, that's great. Nice picture, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Does it get to a point it's like, um, how much time are you putting mm-hmm. towards that? I, I tell myself all the time, if it wasn't for the store, I would, I would probably get rid of social media oh. as much as I could, uh, just because it does take a lot of time. Yes, same thing with the goddamn podcast. But yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely does take a lot of time, but it, at the same time, it's worth it. Like, yeah. you know, you're the people that are messaging you are genuinely interested in the store and they're genuinely yeah. interested in what you're posting in the products. Mm-hmm. And like the time that it takes to respond to somebody is nothing compared to, mm-hmm. you know, what they're going to gain from it and Mm -hmm. you know they'll especially like one-on-one messages like that like talking in depth about certain products like that customer is 99 percent of the time going to come into the store and buy that product they're gonna click on your profile see the picture click on your profile and and they reach out and send a message yeah Yeah. like they're they're interested in buying for sure do you see a wide range of gender and age in that too on the social media is it kind of growing or is it that's a good question it's definitely growing um it is it's I'm just shocked like at whiskey shows like these guys that pull up their Instagram like their bottle shots and I'm like you have an Instagram like, <laughs> <laughs> you're my dad's age uh-huh. yeah <laughs> which is cool I appreciate it so much Shout out yeah. to Bruce. well I think since we're so active on social media we attract the other people yeah. that are yeah. very active on social media um, so that's really cool because like we do get people with a lot of followers and whatnot that yeah. you know love our page and repost our stuff all the time which cool. is awesome because that's free marketing for us right, right. you know when someone reposts something um but yeah it's the whole industry is like we said we're in phase two i think of mm-hmm. uh people shifting yep. you know what's good what's not good and mm-hmm. i think we haven't seen anything yet yeah i think what do you think is next Ooh. uh Let's well see. i think a lot of people are going to become more open and accepting to the smaller distilleries mm-hmm. and we won't see as much pull from you know the bigger established distilleries because people will start to realize like all right this this bottle for this price is really good even though nobody's heard about it and nobody knows what this brand is i tasted it and it's good yeah and you know i think a lot of smaller brands will start to really emerge but not only emerge but you know start to excel against all these bigger brands do you Uh, think barrel picks are gonna play a big part in that huge huge i think any distillery that isn't doing barrel picks right now you need to rethink your business model immediately (laughs) But to play devil's advocate to that, um, I can t- attest that single barrels last year saved us mm-hmm. in this market. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't for the single barrel program, we would have not had, we would have been dead in the mm-hmm. water. Not to say the brand would have gone away, but we just wouldn't, would be flatlined. Mm-hmm. 
you mean you, because the reason why that was the case because you rely on tastings. You rely on your Thursday, right. Friday, we rely Saturday, on and Saturday yeah. and we rely on the on-premise yeah. and so on and so forth. But the single bill program was able to make up that difference, so that I was helped say, us. On-premise probably is oh, no. a yeah. huge part and of every. I mean, especially small distilleries. Absolutely, right. that's our you, you that's our lifeline. People to try it, yeah. And then once and they then try it, it they realize, mm-hmm. and then they go and buy, and they go buy. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I look back in last February, how much time I was spending in bars, and some might say my wife. A little too much time in bars, <laughs> um, sure. but, but it was it was you saw this jolt of energy in our brand mm-hmm. and attention yeah. to it that you're like I don't want to let go of it. Yeah. And then we were all forced to, mm-hmm. unfortunately, right. and I'm, we're not suffering as much as the bars and restaurant industry itself, but the no. smaller brands and big brands too. Obviously, you're a part of it, and it falls down along with it. It's true, but at the same time, as a br- small craft brand we are not in the business of producing single barrels. Mm, we are right, in the business true. of producing an allotment of barrels so that we can, you know, obviously being small batch, we use five barrels, blah, blah, blah. But we're in the business of making barrels to, to put out our product. Mm-hmm. How many barrels are in a batch of yours? Five. five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, cause we're about 20. Yeah. So it's still, that's, yeah, a, that's a, a lot. very small scale. Well, yeah, yeah. But that's a lot for a small brand. Mm-hmm. For a lot right. for a small brand. Yeah. You know, so depending on how, what your core is. So the, the, my point being is we're not in a business to come up with single barrels. What we have been blessed, though, with is the fact that in tasting our barrels before we batch them, we have found that we've got some of those outliers that are like, that actually tastes really fucking good mm-hmm. by itself. And we've come across more of them in a small pod. You know, sometimes you, you'll go through, like for us, we have found that in each pod there's one to two, and mm-hmm. we have pods of five like shit we got something here mm-hmm. not to make it into sure. like a self-promotion at all between you and i but was that happening at union horse before you got there i can't really speak to that well what i mean is like like what jake was saying if every brand should be doing single barrels right now right. but there's gotta be that one person that pushes. oh there has oh, to be that yes. factor if you're not doing it yeah there has to be a factor to push you towards doing it they were doing single barrels for like uh the local uh lucas uh liquors okay. down in, in, okay. in yeah, that yeah. area yeah they would do a single barrel pick twice but not year, reaching out nationally but not reaching out nationally um and then of course you had a couple of the on-premise groups mm-hmm. restaurant groups that maybe would pick a barrel for the mm. for the group you know mm-hmm. um but not to the point where I think collectively between the two markets that we're at, where we're at. Not, si- not, not with the idea and the approach of here's back from a technical delay. Okay. So single barrel program, mm. not everyone, I'm not saying not everyone, it isn't in a, dist- a small, small craft distillery's initial business plan to produce single barrels. We're producing whiskey in order to, you know, to put our brand out on the market. However, but if you are, if you're finding that a lot of as you are putting, if, as you are bottling, putting, blending, putting out your own brand, you've come across some outliers of those said barrels. That I was like, man, these shine by themselves individually. Um, then yeah, great. But how many, how many is that? You know. And will that take away will that from take your away small from batch? My, correct. Will, will your it take away from my core? Yeah. Correct. Uh-huh. So with us, I feel personally like our rye is outstanding, and mm-hmm. I think our rye stands alone and competes well. Mm-hmm. The single barrels are beyond that, so mm-hmm. it doesn't take away from the core rise that we have because they're so different, they're yeah. so apart. So I guess that's you know that's the question: Should every craft distillery consider a single barrel program or well, i think i'm going to actually answer you know, the question with something you told me the other day and you don't mean to repeat it that just stopped me at any time but you sold two single barrels to an account one being a bourbon one being a rye correct and i asked you did you regret that decision after the fact and you said yes not because they weren't good whiskeys and not because they weren't like selling well that but because one was outshining the other correct and that can take away from your brand itself. Like it, nothing. It, I think they're both exemplary products of you. What you guys do, especially that rye pick. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that bourbon I think was the favorite. My favorite bourbon I've ever had of anything with New Horse on the label. Appreciate that. Yeah, anytime for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, but it was just like you're t- you're putting two barrel picks into one store, a small store for that matter, at one time, and it can overwhelm. I guess the the look of it um, mm-hmm. because 
you know, one was selling better than the other, so you have stacks of one while one's left kind of more Correct. lower. And right. Well, what, what's the uh, the optics of it? What are exactly? Fortunately, that partnership that that's in it's yeah. one of those things that hey. Um, you gonna pour and talk at the same time? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. if I could, but I can't. Ooh. Why not? Uh, just not well. Uh. I can't do the multitasking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you asking. <laughs> um, but I mean, that, like optics is one thing taking away from the possibility of what the juice oh, is right. going to taste like at the end of the day. Plus, Plus it's been rec- consistent over a number right. of years. Plus the core that's already on the shelf. And can you? Do, are you able to have the flexibility when it comes to numbers at the end of the year to get rid of barrels on a single barrel basis? Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's a, there's a lot of pl- factors. That there's come to play, a lot obviously. of variables that go into a single barrel program. <coughs> you know, it's just a matter of if it really works out. I I would love for everyone to do single barrel programs. But it has to be, it just, it has to really complement what you're already doing. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're into doing the single barrel program, then be Koval and just put everything that you put out as a single barrel. Right. You dig what I'm saying? Single barrel, mm-hmm. small batch. Yeah. So how would you feel if you didn't have anything to sell because all your barrels are bought by stores and they're all, they're so good that stores yeah. want them as single barrel picks and then you'd have anything to sell to the regular market. Like, do you think that would be better than the situation now where like you're going out and you have stuff to sell and you, you know, don't you just become bourbon barrel then or yeah. barrel bourbon? Yeah. You, you, well, I mean, I'm, well, I they're guess blending I'm just, and, you true, know, true. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just, just saying like, much. you know, the goal is to <laughs> make as much money as you can as a comp, as a business. Yeah, right? Right, right. So like yeah, if, you're a, if you're a distillery and you have no, th- you have nothing to sell, mm-hmm. but you're distilling and you're laying down barrels as much as you can. Yeah. Like I would think that's a good problem to have. Absolutely. But I can also see the point where like if you want to grow and build a brand, you need to have stuff on the shelf Correct. where the average person can go in and see and yeah. get exposed to and try. Yeah, because you know. some people may not like the single barrel right. because it's a little p- too strong mm-hmm. or it's a little bit beyond or overwhelming. What do you have that's just as good but mm-hmm. a little bit more in my ballpark is yeah. proof, mm-hmm. maybe even price. Or maybe something consistent. Something consistent. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. It's not about being a consistent whiskey maker. Yeah. Every whiskey, every distillery out there is consistently making whiskey. We're more talking about consistently good whiskey. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like the flavor, flavor profile, you yeah, want sorry. it to be consistent. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like sorry you don't, about that. No, that's fine. Like you don't want someone to come buy a Union Horse Rye and say, wow, this is really good, and then come back the next time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It might be good again, but it could be just completely different flavor because right. you're only doing five barrel batches. <laughs> Correct. Um, and especially if you took some of those barrels for the single barrel program mm-hmm. and you started to do like three barrel batches right you know and, and that's it might the thing. Be very different right mm-hmm. do you put in your label how many barrels go into a batch no we do not do you think people should um i think small batch it's it's one of those uh how would you call it those i don't uh, even know if there's number i think it's however is there a marker on small batch there's nothing well that I yeah no i don't four roses their small batch i think is 100 barrels it's okay. uh, yeah i think it yeah. is yeah um but you know union horse small batch yeah. five barrels five there's barrels. nothing i think small batch is two or more barrels right, right? there's small batches defined distilleries based on the amount of gallons you produce yeah. in a single year but per not for year. a batch itself but right. not for a batch uh-huh. and yeah. see, that's the thing it, then you go into that realm what makes my single barrel so much more special than Ace Four Roses single barrel? Mm-hmm. Love, Small care, and batch. attention. Of course it does. Yeah. I agree with you. What people know. Sure. Mm-hmm. But then it goes further into the education. Mm-hmm. My single well, exactly. barrel is much more special yeah. because I'm only sitting on 1,700 barrels. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. I mean, that's what we... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Four Roses is sitting on... a sales pitch, one of our old jobs, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. 1.7, just, you know, whatever. I, mean, I don't know that. Don't quote me on that. Quote them. But their single <laughs> program, it's one in one million. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be one in a thousand, right. one in a million, one in ten, well, one in five? You dig? I, I guess like I guess, Jake, this too. I mean, with our brand, would you be afraid of our barrel pick outshining the other three offerings and people expecting different things? Holy crap, that's good. Uh, we're not afraid, but I think as a distillery, yeah. you might be. Right. Um, cause I mean, yeah, when we get, you know, the, when we got the Starward barrel and it's kind of one of those things where like, I, I'll tell the customer, like, why would you buy the regular Starward? We have our own barrel pick. Like right. they sent us samples from different barrels. We tasted them and we thought this one was so good that we bought the entire barrel. Yeah. And not only is it a good barrel, but it's also at, you know, 110 proof, whereas the regular ones at 82 proof and you can walk in it you know pretty much any store mm-hmm. um 
and you can walk in here anytime and buy the regular offering but to get that single barrel that we picked and at the higher proof like there was how many barrels came into the united states 17 like 17, 17 yeah. barrels came into the united states that's and cool. we got one of them right so that's exactly yeah if you're in yeah. here and you know you're looking at the star Wars products i think it's a mm-hmm. no-brainer to get the single barrel as far as so the preface too it's a brand that most people don't know about yeah it's from australia uh-huh. so right. i wonder if like if you guys think well a single barrel is a good thing to rely on for brands that are smaller mm-hmm. um, and still co- carrying their core products. Mm-hmm. At some point, do you take away from the core product? No, I don't. I don't think you do because I think. I'm not trying to be selfish. No, here yeah, no, no, no. Just but trying to understand. I think yeah. uh, when you have a single barrel on the shelf, it helps a ton to have the regular product on the shelf next to it. Right. That's what I was that way to do that. the customer can look at the shelf and they'll be like, "All right, well, there's these two Star Wars here. They're the labels look." pretty similar but i'm trying to figure out like what the difference is on you know what's the difference on the two yeah products here um and that's where it really takes someone to step in and explain like all right well this is how the you know single barrels work and they sent us these different samples and we tasted through them um you know with other people that we respect you know their palates mm-hmm. um and we thought this one stood out so uh, we bought the whole barrel for the store so i i definitely think Absolutely. If you have a single barrel, you got to have the regular product on the shelf yeah. next to it because it, it really helps a ton. Um, and it helps explain to the average customer that doesn't really know because a lot of people still don't know single barrels are a thing. Like, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I agree with you. Every day I talk to somebody that, you know, I have to explain how the single barrel programs work. Like, you know, they don't know that we taste barrels and pick mm-hmm. out certain ones for the store yeah um so yeah it's cool like you kind of you kind of got to judge every customer and see what they <laughs> what they're looking for and yeah. kind of got to feel them. out yeah, yeah gauge them for what they know um but yeah what's your process when you're going in to pick a single barrel are you guys tasting for what you like and what you think customers will like or what you just think is really good i get this question a lot yeah a ton yeah um and it's it's kind of a little bit all all over the place yeah um you know we'll get a set of four or five samples sometimes one will just stand out because we're just like wow this is really really good um the average person might not like this as much as some of the other barrels Mm -hmm. but that's where us being on the floor talking to customers really helps because we can you know we can tell our managers and we can tell our staff like this is an exceptional whiskey for your you know whiskey nerd or somebody that thinks like they're super into it you know um whereas other barrel picks like we will get one we sometimes we get four samples and one's like a really good barrel like that but there's another one that we just feel will just appeal to 90% 90% of people, you know, instead of 10% of people, like that one really special single barrel will. It's one of your biggest um, consumers. Is it your biggest, I guess, group of consumers, probably bourbon drinkers? We're de- Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're definitely bourbon drinkers. Uh, I think compared to other stores, like we get a lot more customers in here that are seeking the single barrel. So we do have an advantage when it comes to that standpoint. Uh, but I still think that there's, there's always going to be hand selling involved especially for single barrels every single barrel we pick for a different reason you know there's like i said before there's some barrels that we just think this is everyone's gonna like this whoever tries it so let's pick it for that reason there's other barrels that we think whiskey nerds will like and the average person might not like it as much so that's where it really comes in us being on the floor talking to people and finding what they like better which is i think that plays a huge role in customers coming back because they they realize like you know we know we know what we're talking about um and you know we're not just trying to sell them something to make a sale and get them out of here but we're trying to educate them uh and really find something that they're gonna dig and they're gonna hopefully go home and you know post on their social media (laughs) and shout us out which does does happen quite often do that guys yeah i like how you're (laughs) intertwining you know obviously what your family has been doing from hand selling Mm -hmm. and relying on the business in that sense but also growing and adapting to what's happening in the whiskey industry Mm -hmm. too it's a really great combination of the two Mm -hmm. i would assume that attests to you putting in this tasting area yeah yeah i was gonna say uh Probably should have talked about this more, but yeah, we, no, we, we, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, we put in a tasting bar in the back of the store uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, this was just dead space. Nothing was back here. It was like the extra products that we didn't have a spot for, the extra display pieces. Like this was just a mess back here. It was like the back corner of the store where we just put everything where we didn't know 
where to put it basically <laughs> right. um and you know we cleaned it all out we put a tv on the wall we put neons up we put in a you know big commercial kegerator we redid the flooring put in tables and i think we really decorated it in a way that you know attracts people to come to the come hang out well not only into the store but into the back corner of the store <laughs> yeah. so you walk past everything on your way back here <laughs> and I think we have pretty good uh, selection, you I know, agree. for pours and beers oh, available yeah. on draft at all times. So was this Junior Brothers' idea to do yeah. this? Uh-huh. Well, no, actually, uh, I shouldn't take all the credit. <laughs> Dad <laughs> oh. came up with the idea 15 years ago, 10, 15 years all ago, right. and a my slashy. Gr- yeah, my grandpa kind of like shot the whole thing down <laughs> and just kind of told him like it's not really going to work. It's going to take a lot of you know time and effort and mm. take a lot of you know, resources away from the store and whatnot. We need to be focusing on what's working. Um, so my dad actually came up with the idea, but my brother and I were the ones that actually, you know, put in the work to make it happen and cool. really make it a thing. Nice. So, yeah. Well, that's a great add-on. I mean, yeah. definitely mm-hmm. invites people in. Like you said, come in, see everything, drink, and then you mm-hmm. have to exit through the gift shop and take a bottle <laughs> of <wine. Well>, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Getting a few <laughs> pours of whiskey in you doesn't hurt, yeah, right? Yeah, no, 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 try no, before you buy. Exactly. And I mean, mm-hmm. also attracts beer people too, not just yeah, whiskey. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. This whole uh-huh. store does too. Their yeah. craft beer selection to go along with your whiskey mm-hmm. selection too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then obviously a large selection of wines too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Have you guys? Mm-hmm. Are, is there anything else you're trying to focus on outside of whiskey at this point? Um, there's there's a ton. I mean, there's a lot. Like you know, this is this is my life this is what i do so when i'm laying in bed at night i think of things that we could improve or change or do differently and the business and the store is on my mind 24 7 same with you know my dad and my brother and everyone else who's involved so um you know there's there's we've come a long way in the last three four years but there's a long way to go there's a lot of stuff that i know we're gonna change we're gonna improve on um and i think it's this is only the beginning for gold eagle and you know over it's like a everyone reintroduction. that's involved yeah sure. uh-huh. just don't like get rid of us we're, we're just getting started <laughs> yeah. no, awesome. i think it shows too that from brand level and supplier level yeah. to you guys that we all are to grow we have to do, use each other and work together because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it's all the education coming in here and talking about the brands then mm-hmm. you guys relaying that to your customers and that's coming back and trying to sell mm-hmm. some more too so works out really well in that way it, it does can't yeah. forget, we can't forget about each other no that's no, the, that's no, the biggest no, no. thing yeah, there's yeah. a lot mm-hmm. there's just old school methods of selling mm-hmm. products that will always be there mm-hmm. long standing yeah. which mm-hmm. promise me i have to ask you so when you came into the business you said four and a half years ago five years ago around there something like that four sure. or five yeah how what was that trend what were you transitioning from into this or it was strange man because yeah. <laughs> when i came into the business uh we had two full-time managers that have worked here for 30 years oh oh, wow and they were both you know in their 60s ready to retire Mm -hmm. so they were kind of like we don't want to you know make changes we don't want (laughs) to do any extra work that we don't have to do (laughs) like we're in our last year or two here and i'm kind of the complete opposite like you know i want all these bright lights and you know we want to you know make all this noise and commotion and i started moving stuff around and changing the layout and kind of got some negative feedback from some of them but it worked out yeah. at the same time. Like you need to change. You need to ever evolve. You, yeah, yeah. You need to evolve. Like, yeah. you know, that's how the, the industry has evolved so much. And we talked about this earlier, but yeah, in the past three years, like it has changed tremendously. Right. Uh, and it's only going to continue to change, you know? Yeah. So I think you really need to, you need to be hands-on. You need to be oh, yeah. on the internet with, you know, the current trends and be mm-hmm. ready to adapt with whatever comes out. So yeah. What about your personal furthering education? Like, you know, what do you, what have you done or what have your, what have your grandpa and your grandfather like pass on? And he's like, Hey, this is how you mm-hmm. conduct business. Cause I mean, they're from a generation where I grew up in where, Hey, it's face to face, you know, it's one-on-one yeah. hand selling, hand selling, but, and you've continued that obviously. What are things that you've taken from that, that you continue to plan or what mm-hmm. are some things that if you could make a change tomorrow, mm-hmm. what will, what would one be? That's a good question. There's definitely, there's a ton of things uh, that go into play. And yeah. I think we can, we can take a ton of positives from like their era and we can sure, take yeah. a ton of positives from our era and mm-hmm. combine them to really make, you know, a, a good location, a good store. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that we got from them was just the friendly customer service and the hand selling. Like yeah. they're, their number one focus over the, I mean, since 1933 was, you know, 
being friendly with customers, being out on the floor and being knowledgeable on what you're selling. And that was pretty much it. There was no single barrels back then. Uh, there was probably 5% of the brands that there are now, uh, probably even less. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So like I said before, you know, we'd buy, let's say we're buying a hundred cases in a week. Uh, five years ago was a hundred cases of two different, three different products. Now it's a hundred cases of yeah. 50 different products. You know, it's yeah, just, true. it's changed so much. And since people are looking for something different, you know, you, we have the different options, but mm-hmm. we also have the people that are on the floor knowledgeable yeah. and, you know, they're here to talk to you and, you know, find out, you know, oh, what yeah. exactly you want and, give you more information basically yeah on the process and learn in depth oh I mean, yeah that's a great way to do it yeah take, take bits and pieces from everybody you can yeah. and mm-hmm. learn from them yeah. see what you know and apply mm-hmm. it all together yeah and you can have a liquor store then mm-hmm. you can have a, a with a bar a liquor mecca yeah which go. i think that's yeah well i appreciate that yeah, thank you it's yeah huge yeah for an independent store it's mm-hmm. very yeah. big so. i mean that's one of the big things we're doing. We're trying to do here is make this a destination point. You know, we don't want it to be just a liquor store. We want yeah. it to be a destination. Like, I like that. Let's let's take a trip out to Gold Eagle. Yeah. You know, we talked to people that drive. Like I said, the guy earlier drove from Green Bay just to come it's check out the store. Like that Silence, playoff bro. whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wisconsin brandy ain't cutting uh, it, bro. No, no. Right. Wisconsin old fashions aren't worth yeah. it. There's more for Rogers and Brady. Yeah. So we, you know, we wanted to make it like a spot like yeah. you know if you, like i think of places where like i like to go and visit you know yeah. i want gold eagle to be a place like that where okay. people say i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna go drive an hour to go to gold eagle and i'm gonna go yeah. sit at their bar and i'm gonna have a couple pours try some unique things that i don't normally get to try and you know also check out their selection and take you know four or five bottles home with me yeah. sure. so yeah, yeah. i think that's, well, that's definitely a big it. thing yeah, yeah. You're definitely yeah. On, you're, I don't know if you're yeah. on your ways the right way or something already uh, here but definitely something you should on. write about actually making the uh, the this the, the retailer is not is now the you know i mean we all go down to kentucky mm-hmm. we all go oh, yeah. cross country to visit mm-hmm. distilleries mm-hmm. uh because they're making that transition to mm-hmm. become a destination you know so mm-hmm. well, what if you can't make it what if you don't have the time off or so on and so i'm like I mean, something to consider. I mean, you can write about that too, Jake. Oh, can I? Yeah. Thanks. Your journalism background. Write about it. I mean, you have a podcast, right? Your independent so liquor store. Got a bunch to talk about. I have an independent podcast. <laughs> independent podcast. Yeah, yeah, independent liquor store. We'll see. We'll see. The mm-hmm. destination for. I think that's what we were doing on Twelve Days of Barrel Picks. Maybe I don't yeah. know. I, don't I mean, know. I think I mean, we kind of did that. We kind of. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the liquor store. The <laughs> next destination for whiskey. Yeah. Whiskeys around the world. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it can be. It, I think people do come from all different parts. Yeah. Guys, an example right there, going from Green Bay, and people make their Saturdays now of, of going to different stores they and do. dropping by mm-hmm. three or four and looking for some rare things, looking for fi- things they can't find at their local destination, mm-hmm. and yep. driving all around. So mm-hmm. definitely, uh, it's more than a hobby these days when it comes to whiskey for it a lot is. of people. It's it's an art. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. an art, and it's become a lifestyle. Yeah, I think too. Lifestyle mm-hmm. as well, for sure. Well, you guys, feel good. I'm good. Yeah, anything good. else you want to pitch or mention? Or no, got man, anything coming no, up you want to let the people know of? No, just uh, hope, follow Gold Eagle on Instagram, I can come Facebook. Come back right? on the podcast. Yeah, I, we yeah, need to come uh, back with uh, with Will and TJ and oh, talk for sure. about That'd be uh, sick. yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> the whole uh, whole effort shift of people going to whiskey clubs to do mm-hmm. tastings, barrel picks, and mm-hmm. it's such a now a source of reliability for brands and just to hear about their evolution, like two year span too, about oh, the, yeah. uh, how they've gone from a couple guys in a basement to hundreds of members mm-hmm. and people now searching out for them because of the, bar- the rare barrel picks they do right mm-hmm. we'll have to do that for sure so yeah. we can find gold legal on social media platforms at uh yeah instagram uh pretty sure it's gold legal wine <laughs> at gold legal wine, it is um, gold legal wine. <laughs> <laughs> the facebook i'm pretty sure is under gold eagle spirits, spirits. yeah yep. watch out uh-huh. those tribune ads as but well yeah. yeah well yeah uh-huh not <laughs> anymore <laughs> but we we were featured in actually a couple uh, articles in oh, the cool. tribune this year nice, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. congrats, man. That's well, awesome. actually, check out the Tribune, too. Check out the uh, Tribune. Hey, yeah, we were featured in there for our uh, curbside ordering and pickup oh, process right. during cool. the start of COVID. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, check out social media. If you search Gold Eagle, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, anything, you know, in regards to the store, barrel pick releases, uh, everything can be found on there. Awesome. So it's a good place to. And how do you pronounce your last name? Sigelnik. Sigelnik. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. 
You should have, you should know that beforehand. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I meant to ask many a time. <laughs> Might as well make it public. Uh-huh. Right here, known. Right yeah. here on the keynote. It's exclusive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Jake, thanks for the time. I appreciate cool. it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Jake. Appreciate it. For Wilson uh, Torres of Union Horse Distilling Co. This is Jake Hookie of Star Wars Whiskey and Keenlight Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment about how good looking Wilson is. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Enjoy your next trip to DC, Wilson. The <laughs> 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 Cheers, guys.